Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast, where we chat with newsmakers and cover the topics that sometimes can get a little thorny elsewhere. We're going to handle those right here. Tonight we have Claston Bernard. He's an author, Olympian, former congressional candidate, and major big time truth teller. He has a book out, and let me tell you, this is the book you want to pick up for your reading this month. It's Outcast. No Room at the Table for Conservative Blacks in Black America. I love it so much. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Claston. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stacey. So let's first off start just, you are an immigrant to our country, and now it's your country too, and you have a certain feeling about America. What is that? It's one of the greatest places I've ever been. Uh, you know, as an athlete, a former an Olympian athlete, professional track and field athlete, I'll start with this. In, I think it was in 2003, I was competing in an event in Italy, an event that I won, one of my first professional wins, a major, major professional wins. In, in, you know, I remember winning and being said that, you know, you are you're the top guy, you know, because, you know, you have circuits in different pro sports and, uh, you know, to win one is something big. But, I remember that night we're at an um, event, and while I was sitting there, I said, you know what? I miss home. And it wasn't my country of birth that I missed. I missed America. I had started just falling in love with the structure of this country, the people of this country, the history of this country. I, you know, I was just like, wow, where did this come from, you know? So, you know, I see so much. I've experienced so much. It is important to let people know what this country means to someone like me who have chosen to make this my home. I made a choice, a conscious decision that I am going to be an American. I want to live as an American, but I will not be silent about the good things about America. And just like everywhere else, we all have problems, but this is, I shouldn't even have to use that qualifier, but sadly I have to. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I I feel I feel like it's crept into our language that we have to kind of apologize for America when it's the greatest country on earth and everyone wants to live here. I mean, most people want to live in America or at least come to America and have an experience like get their education or work for a while or do research or or even just come here for long form vacations, not just for a week or two, but to come and stay for three or four months mm-hmm. at a time and soak up our culture. And so we have we have problems because people exist here, but I don't think this is a country that needs to apologize for itself. Rather, everyone should take that same energy and try to make America as good as it can be. And and I believe we can improve in many areas, but I also believe we do a great job in so many areas. And so it's just like anything else. We we have, of course, we'll always have work to do, but we always can appreciate America and really, really just talk it up because uh, it's become such a, a vogue thing to say bad things about this country. It has. It has. And it's very disturbing on a number of fronts. We have to go back to selling America. Uh, you know, there's so many stories and I can go on and on. Let's say um, Rocky. Um, I think it was Rocky too. You know, I, when I was really first introduced to TV, I didn't grow up with television or electricity, but the primary school that I went to used to have movies. And I remember watching Rocky. I think it was Rocky too with uh, Apollo Creed and James Brown. But I was captivated by James Brown singing Living in America. It it was just an image that stuck to my head, in my head. 
And I'm like, wow, you know, this is America, you know. But, you know, and even the greater part of that story was the freest country in the world going up against the Soviet Union at the time. But for me, I was sold on that image. I already had images already of America that I've read, whether it was from poems, uh, poetry, Langston Hughes, Claude McKay, and, you know, the, the, the um, Charles Dickens and different stuff. So I already knew enough about America. But when you see an image like that, that just stays with you. You know, not growing up with electricity and you have battery power radio, I would listen to people like Charlie Pride, Lionel Richie, Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton, and all these people. I just heard Americans. That's how a lot of us, like, I'm not an immigrant, but I feel the same way. I feel like what I see all over the place um, is I see a lot of people who love this country, but it's almost like it's not okay to say that. And I, I'm, I'm a little exhausted by that, but I'm, I'm still willing to c- kind of get out there by myself if I have to and say how great America is and how, how blessed we are to be here. Like it, it, we have to have that attitude. I'm blessed to be American. That should be every one of us. We should at least be able to say that. Yes. Uh, it, it, that's the thing. You know, one of the things people miss and I, you know, just waiting in one of the controversies, the kneeling of the flag. As a kid growing up, watching the Gulf War, we knew what Saddam Hussein, I was still living in my country of Jamaica, we knew what Saddam Hussein represented. There was no illusion as to who we wanted to win the war. But there was a, there's a powerful symbol in this country. It's not ethnicity. It's not a person. It's a thing. But it's a flag. When you see that flag, you knew exactly what it represented as a foreigner. And people miss those little things about America. When I could see a flag like that, I saw that, I knew exactly, even if I was watching a movie, the minute you saw a helicopter with an American flag, you knew that was freedom. Well, I think that's, that's something for us to kind of ponder on, that we that that's the image that we have around the world and that we need to live up to it. Um, I want to, I want to talk to you Claston, about your book. It's your book from 2018, but it's still very relevant today because we're still in the same situation in your book. Your book is called outcast. No room at the table for conservative blacks and black America. You talk about the ways the Democrat party has misled and outright manipulated black voters, the fallacies of the modern construct of race. And that's where I go full stop. Talk to us about the fallacies of the modern construct of race. This is a conversation for like hours and hours and hours, but we'll have to cover what we can. <laughs> you know, the first thing is um, genetically, we are 99.99% similar genetically. If you want to round it up, we're like 0.012% different. The melanin and the carotene content, um, hair color, eye color. They're, in a way, superficial, but they're intrinsic. You can't separate them. You know, there's a superficiality to it, but there's also intrinsic worth. You know, my, I, you know, I am, I am black. I, like I say, I'm Negroid. Some people might not like that term, but I, hey, that's how I was raised. And that's intrinsic to how God made me. It's who I, you know, who you see when you see me. But beyond that, the racial construct gained a lot more influence during Jim Crow. Not even before, it was before Jim Crow, after the Darwinian theory came about, where they were pretty much trying to say blacks were inferior 
the, the slaveholders in the South, this is my interpretation, especially was trying to hold on to slavery. They needed to justify treating blacks as subhuman. So they bought into these theory. You can look at this, and, and, I, and I say I have great evidence for that because the vice president of the Confederacy, Alexander Stevens, actually, his thing was blacks were inferior. Deal with it. The Constitution recognized it, which it did. The Constitution doesn't recognize race. In, in the way that he was talking about. And that created a lot of the basis for the Dred Scott ruling and also the Jim Crow laws that later came about. Because if you can dehumanize a group of people, then you can justify having unjust laws that treat them as subhuman. And today, we are kind of going down that same pathway. You know, we're trying so hard. I don't have to look, you know, I look at myself in the mirror, I know what I am. But what's in my heart? Well, we hope that it's going to be that something good is in your heart. But I think there's a um, there's there's the the other issue we have is you in your book you talk about this construct, but you also mention you know that the title speaks to this that Black Americans, if you're conservative, you kind of get put out of the camp from the the Black community, and it's something that even as prevalent as Black conservatism has become, there's still an element of Black Americans feeling as if you're a traitor if you're a conservative. And, you know, the way I look at it, the, the word conservatism has been attacked by the left, and they did that, I think, on purpose. They tried to create this image of bigots and people with tiki torches and um, people, you know, um, the KKK, which we already, the history already tells us the KKK was is a product of the left, they're a product of the Democratic Party, but the left has been able to evoke that image as the conservatism. But here's the thing, coming from Jamaica and understanding the history of slavery, because, you know, my ancestors were slaves, there was something about the black um, race or the black, black who we are that we held dear to. It was God, it was and family, before we had the opportunity for education. And we were able to adapt to wherever we go, wherever we went to, we were able to adapt in the, wherever. So whether we're in the Caribbean, whether we're in Brazil, whether we're, we're in, you know, North America, meaning, you know, here or Canada, we're able to adapt. And conservatism, like we saw from Frederick Douglass, uh, Booker T. Washington, two of my favorite American heroes, came from that mindset that you hold dear to God, you hold dear to family. And once we were able to obtain freedom, we pursue education. And even before we were free, we knew what it meant to be educated. So there's a natural conservatism to the descendants of African slaves. And somehow, the way I look at it in a cynical way, the left has been able to say, being a conservative is selling out to white culture. Well, there's no such thing as white culture, technically. There's Western civilization that encompasses, you know, a lot of Caucasian or different people. But this whole, and, and I see there's also an issue. I don't need you because you're black to speak on my behalf. I need you to speak on my behalf because I'm a person that deserves to be treated like anyone else, right? The Constitution, our founders, recognize that all men are created equal. Because at the end of the day, it's truth that matters. And I think we've gone off course. 
we've really gone off course. I've even I'm seeing bickering between even black conservative as this issue. You mm-hmm. know, I, I want to go back if I have the time to talk about the attacks that have been on Ben Carson, Condoleezza Rice, and different pro- individuals that have distinguished themselves. And I'm sure you've had to deal with that. Myself, that has have had to deal with that. And we're gone off course. We're trying to see who's more authentically black. I want to know who's more authentically human. Who mm-hmm. will fight for the unborn? Who will fight for those people who are struggling? That's a, who's more authentic in fighting for justice? That's what I care about. Yeah, and that's also what we're called to care about as Christians. So, you know, God mandates that we, instead of looking at the outer man, we look at the inner man, and we can tell if a person is fighting for the right things if we look at look at the particular things they're fighting for. And specific to that is fighting for the unborn. You mentioned that. To me, it's like our number one fight because as a community, people who are, you know, who are identify as black, I say that because there's there's so much now like there's so much room for different interpretations of what a black person is. But in the traditional sense, if you're a black person, then you're a part of the history in our country that has brought us here. It's a, it's a history of victory over adversity, but it's also one that's marred by a continual uh, intersection with Planned Parenthood and their, their insistence on removing life. And they've removed a huge portion of the black community from America, almost 40%. That's a huge population reduction. And if we were talking about 40% of all the puppies in America being aborted or killed or somehow sacrificed, there would be an out, like we would, we would see puppy mills or wherever this was happening would be burned to the ground. They would not stop until it was ended. But since it's people, well, you know, we need, we need choice. We need this. We need that. That's how I measure whether or not a person really lives up to that standard is if they think that's okay or if they are willing to fight against it like I am. You know, um, there was a projection, I think, from the 1800s if the black population continued to grow. Um, up to 2000, it'll be over 100 million people by now. Um, I can't, you know, I have that written somewhere, but, you know, don't hold me hard and fast to that. But there was a projection at some point. And... Planned Parenthood has been able to really stop that. And, you know, again, you look at the origins of Planned Parenthood. You know, who who was the driver behind that? Margaret Chang. She didn't like black people. She thought black people were inferior. She thought black people shouldn't be a part of this, the West, this great American experiment. You know, um, and, but more than anything, life is sacred. And we phrase a woman's right to play God as a choice. You don't get to decide who lives or who dies. Sadly, the people who are making those decisions are the same people who are given that opportunity to live. I don't ever think they ever, do they ever think about that? No, they don't, because that kind of hypocrisy enables them to continue to say things like they're, they are for choice and they are for, there's a way that they go about it that makes it, um, they're able to kind of separate it off and it, it makes sense to them. But, you know, we know that that's false and that that doesn't hold water. Um, and I, I, I allow only for them to maybe be ignorant of how bad the problem is and what it actually is. But once they've been informed, if they hold on to that, then, you know, I know it's an allegiance to evil that I, I just, I can't stomach it. Um, so I, I want to, I want to 
touch on one more thing before we go. And, and this is, this is why people should follow the link in the show notes to this podcast today with Claston, um, to get your own copy of the book. It says here, um, one of the things you touch on in the book is the way the Christian church has become corrupted by ties to secular organizations. Well, come on through, Claston. What are you talking about here? <laughs> I'm talking about the Marxists in the pulpit. There's a lot of Marxists in the pulpit. That's a problem. Um, again, you know, in the book of Acts, I think this is 26, 17, it says we're created in one blood. The founders of this country that they have tried to make look like monsters recognize that all men are created equal. You know, <laughs> the pastors try to frame suffering or victimization in the Hegelian way. Our Marxist race, the class, our racial struggle. So, my thing is, is it the cross or is it Karl Marx? Because who, when blacks back were up against the wall, they were on their knees crying out to God. Not Karl Marx, not any atheistic philosophy, not any pantheistic philosophy, not any anything but the Christian God. It was that strength that people were able to stand on in the face of everything. And even if you want to talk about the Nat Turners or the Denmark BC, they saw that slavery was wrong because what they were reading in the Bible. Well, and without them, we wouldn't have abolished slavery. That 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 was the the it was a Christian movement to abolish slavery, and without it, it would still be flourishing in America. We we know that yeah. we we can see across the world where there is no Christianity, like in the Middle East, there is still slavery, and it's still a part of the culture, and it's still accepted. It's still lawful. Um, it, it's not the same in Christian countries. So we 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 do have, we do have that history. Um, so I I. As we're closing out here, you also mentioned in your book, The Truth Black Americans Need to Know About the Current Political System. Um, what is that truth? The truth is you shouldn't belong to any political party. You should, first of all, be um, loyal to the contract, the compact that you have, the U.S. Constitution. Now, I'm a Republican because the Republican Party actually aligns, uh, you know, a, a lot of what they are about aligns with what I believe in now. The politicians, that's another thing. <laughs> but you should not be that predictable that 90% of people vote one way and then you expect that things will get better. There's no country that that works for anybody. When one group of individual or one ethnicity is voting one way and their lives get better. I can see, you know, we can go to the ghettos of Jamaica. It runs the same way because the people vote the same way. Now, I know we're not in Jamaica, somebody might say, but we're seeing the same thing in, in, in here in this country. It's true. So the thing is, again, Frederick Douglass, even though he was a dyed-in-the-world Republican, he didn't just want us, or even Booker T, he wanted us to be able to understand who we were as individuals first. They both wanted us to understand that and be able to make decisions. In the capitalistic system works because we have options and choices. I don't like what you have. I'll go buy that what that person. But for some reason, we have majority of blacks in this country believe that somehow we're going to get the best of everything if we continue to vote one way, irrespective of supporting the most godless Marxist philosophies. They continue 
to align themselves with godless white liberals. I'll say that out there. And they expect that someone from the other side is going to come and want to be comfortable around them. See, a lot of times you are looking to say the conservatives don't want to interact with us. But you have to look at who are you supporting? Who are you interacting with on the other side? Who are you giving your support to? Who are you giving? Those people, they embrace ideologies that is strange to the conservatives. So the idea here is, and I, I love that you're highlighting the fact that it's not allegiance to a political party. So you can be any, you can be a member of any party you want, but it has to be an allegiance to the ideas because if, if you believe in what the Constitution guarantees, because the Constitution doesn't give us our rights, it just guarantees them, and it, it holds the government apart from infringing on our rights. And when you believe in that, then if the Democrats should, should, should suddenly be the party of pro-life or limited government or the things that you believe in, your ideals, then all of a sudden now it's okay to be a Democrat. Now, it's not okay for me to be a Democrat right now, but if the Republicans were to suddenly flip, right, if they would change their their ways and their their party platform would no longer adhere to scripture, it's not perfect, but it definitely is, you know, better in, in comparison than the the uh, the Democrat Party platform, then I would be in a position where I would then say, okay, it's not about being a member of the GOP for me. It's not about the party itself. It's not about the, you know, the elephant and the the red, white, and blue and all of that. It's nice, but it's not about that for me. It's because the party platform lines up with what I believe about America, what the Constitution says. And for me also, scripturally, it lines up with what scripture says for the most part. So I I have made those checks because I care about those things. And if those things were no longer true, then I would not still hold to that party because it's a part of my identity, because being a Republican is not a part of my identity, not at all. Um, I think you... You're articulating that, and it's something that's so important for us. I hope your message continues to go far and wide. And I'm so glad you could join us today on the podcast, Claston A. Bernard. The book looks amazing. Um, and you can find the link at the show notes at Stacy on the Right. Stacy, you just summed me up in one in, in, with that last closing. I have to, wow, that's it right there. I'm not selling my Christian beliefs out. And I can sell the Constitution out because the Constitution, is, as an immigrant, is where I found my voice, my strength, and my ability to, to be an American without a fear of anything. The Bill of Rights, you know, gives me confidence. It's amazing. This is what I, I long to see. And, you know, just to close out, the title of my book, Outcast, No Room at the Table, you know, we're in Christmas season. When Mary and Joseph was looking for a place um, to shelter, you know, there were no rooms. There were no rooms anywhere, no rooms in the inn, no, they couldn't shelter anywhere. And I was looking to have conversation. I had all this knowledge. I've been studying and reading American history and everything. And I would try to con- have conversation with, with blacks, and they would just push me aside and say, you come and you're spewing white people talking points or, you know, all this kind of stuff, and you're supporting white supremacy. I could not find anywhere. And that's why I ended up writing a book, to have a conversation, to start a conversation. Well, now we're having it. And I think it's been a lot of people like yourself, whether they're immigrants as you are or people who, you know, are are natural born citizens. uh, The conversation that we're having right now with leaders across the country um, of every background 
is the one I've been waiting for for probably over 10 years I've been waiting. And now that it's here, it's so great to see and so great to have you talking about it with us. Class and A. Bernard, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you very much, Stacey. I appreciate everything that you have done. Oh, thank you so much. And that is another episode of Stacy on the Right here on Family Vision Media, familyvisionmedia.org if you want to find out more about where up, what we're up to. Until next time, God bless.